Dear world, it's Leanne, and on today's episode, I am going to be interviewing my dad about what it's like to become a Christian in your 20s. I think for a lot of us who grew up in the faith, we don't quite understand the experience of people who come to faith later, and I think it's something that we need to have a better understanding of. So, hello, Father, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, I am Leanne's dad. Eric Woolley, and uh, I became a Christ follower in my very early 20s um, during my junior year in college. All right, so growing up, what did you think of maybe religion in general, Christianity specifically, that? Well, um, I, I think I always knew there was as a lot of people like to refer to it, a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I knew, I think I knew that he existed. I just had no concept of what that meant. So he existed, but I didn't know what to do with that. Okay. And what made you decide that you needed to find the answer? Um, so when I got to college, I did what a lot of college kids do. I started drinking, um, heavily at some times. Um, I switched my major a few times because I felt like I was not finding anything that I felt was right. Um, and I was, I was just kind of wandering and, um, I was actually staying at the home of a, a family friend who lived in, uh, Iowa city where I went to school and, um, she invited me to her church and, uh, I accepted her offer. What did you think that first Sunday that you went? Were you skeptical? Were you excited? Or were you just kind of desperate? Um, I wasn't skeptical. Um, And I don't know that I was desperate. But she... um, I was questioning. And she she gave me a Bible and suggested I read the book of John. And I started reading the book of John. And that was, um, that was a trigger for me, for sure. Um, just reading about who this Jesus was and that he really did love me. And that kind of changes everything. Yeah. Um, okay, so you started going to church there. What made you decide to get more heavily involved with the church? Uh, It was really... um, I I tried to surround myself with with friends that I knew were Christians. That's actually how I met um, my wife. My mother. (laughs) Not a different person. Your mother. That's correct. Um, And... She's actually been a, a great influence for me. Um, 
she had been a Christian for much longer and was much more uh, solid and mature in her faith. Um, and I think just striving to be, um, striving to learn more and more each day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw, I could see in her life how, um, how safe she, not safe maybe, but um, how close she was in her, in her walk. And I wanted that. I wanted to be more and more close. Um, and I, I felt like I just had a really long way to go. And I think, <laughs> obviously, the closer I think I get, the, the, the more I feel like I have even longer to go because you figure out how big God really is. Yeah. Was it easy? So did you end up staying at the church that your room, I mean, that the the lady who was letting you live with her, that she took you to, or did you go to a different church? No, I stayed there. Um, we actually, uh, our, our church um, moved uh, to a different building, to a bigger building. I built a, built a, a building, and that was uh, kind of a fun process to walk through. And now how many times have you been part of a church that has built a building? <laughs> yeah, it seems to happen. Um, so, the, uh, yeah, if we had the same thing happen at our church in Springfield. And then again here in in uh, in Franklin. So you stayed at that. So you stayed at that church, and that's the church that mom went to as well. Yes, that's right. That's where we met um, in in their uh, college and career class. They called it. And it was the young young adult class. And you were getting your. By the time mom came, you were getting your masters, and she was working. That's right. Yeah, I was working on my MBA. Okay. That was useful for you, I can tell. Um, now, what was it like finding a church in Chicago? Or, well, what suburb did you live in first? Um, we lived in first in Wheaton uh, and then closer to the airport. We actually um, were not very involved. We went to a few different churches, um, tried out one in, in a town called Glen Ellen. Mm-hmm. Um, but never really got plugged in anywhere when we lived in uh, in Chicago, primarily because I was out of town, out of um, or we were we were traveling a lot back and forth to Springfield, and we would go to um, to the church where Mom grew up in Springfield. Yes. Um, when we were when we were there, which was one of the things that actually drew me to Springfield, um, even though. Um, it wasn't always the most sought-after location for everyone else. That's correct. In the parties of family. Um, okay, so think back to when you initially... How many Bible stories do you think you knew growing up? You Your parents weren't particularly religious, but you had religious influences just kind of yeah. in bigger ways, yeah. maybe? Yeah, I mean, and, and we, when we would go to church, you know, we would hear about... Um, some of the, the stories like Daniel and the lion's den and Moses parting the Red Sea. Um, but I didn't, I didn't ever really see a connection. Okay. Um, and it wasn't like every Sunday you went growing up. It no. was just per- periodically, right. just whenever. Yeah. So when you think about some of the stories that like, to me growing up in the church, like, 
yeah, Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. That's just what happened. Or like, yeah, Daniel was in the lion's den or Noah's Ark. Or, you know, all these things that like, if you look at them, maybe as an adult in particular, you're kind of like, that's crazy. And like for us, for kids who grow up in the church, we're just like, well, yeah, that's just kind of how it works. Like, what did it feel like to hear some of those stories for the first time? And you were even telling me yesterday, like you had, you read the story um, because of the song Tremble about the man being thrown on the bones of Elisha and then coming back to life. Like as an adult, when you're reading those stories for the first time, what is that like? Um, it, it just kind of redefines how big God really is. Um, it's easy to put God into a box and bring him out when you need to. Mm-hmm. Um, but to see how he worked through the Israelites, even when they wouldn't follow him, and just the same way he works through us, even when we fall short. Um, it just kind of makes, uh, makes you understand how big God is and how big his love for us is. Um, and I think it's hard as, that's why it says, you know, you have to you have to come to Jesus with a childlike faith mm-hmm. because if you think about it if you if you try to understand it you're going to drive yourself crazy or you're just going to you're just going to stop trying yeah yeah and there's some things that we were listening to Caleb or Air One or something this morning and um they were telling a story of Corey Ten Boom that she told in one of her books and she was asking her dad about something, and he looked at her, and he didn't answer. But he got down this suitcase and was like, okay, Corey, can you carry this off the train for me? And she was like, no, Dad, it's too heavy. And he said it's the same thing with knowledge. Sometimes knowledge is is too much for where you're at, and so you just need to trust that your father, in that story, talking about him literally, but in life, talking about God, like, knowing that God knows everything and can carry it. And sometimes he knows our limitations and knows that we can't, we can't carry all the knowledge. So we just have to trust that he is. um, Yeah. And I'm glad you said Caleb because I, I, music, Christian music has been very important uh, ever since I began my walk with, with, um, with Jesus. Just because I think just like, and, and, and as has reading scripture, because the more you, for whatever reason, I'm able to, to remember songs and, and memorize well, because and of how you were the words. raised, it was a very musical yeah, influence. Yeah, for sure. But just having those words set to music or having the words from Scripture really does. I mean, it, it talks about this in the, in, in the Bible all the time. You know, your word is a light um, light into my path, a lamp into my feet. It really is true because as we walk through situations in life, that's what allows us to stay on the straight and narrow. Mm-hmm. So when you guys finally moved to Springfield, you uh, went to Southside for a while, but then you ended up at Westside. And you guys pretty much instantly became part of a community that parts of are still active today yeah how would did that feel easy for you you had you been really in community like that before no hadn't um i, I really hadn't it was um and for, for me I, I don't make friends very easily um i tend to be introverted and so but it was it was it was very 
it was very good. We knew we wanted to be at that church uh, because we knew the they had a lot of things to offer children and um, your mom was pregnant at that time with um, with your older sister and um, a number of the other couples in that in that group were also early in their marriage and getting pregnant and having young children and to be able to to be in community with another with other groups uh, with other people with other couples that were going through the same experiences um, was so important for us um, for me especially as a young Christian and we had really good um, teachers uh, that would encourage us and um, you know let us know that we really were the future of the church and so that was encouraging to me as 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 we were walking through even when you walk through trials um, to know that um, to be able to walk alongside other people is very important yeah I actually don't I know the answer to a lot of the things that I've asked already but this one I don't know the answer to so one of your very best friends in Springfield is probably 15 or 20 years older than you and he already had kids all this stuff how did did that kind of form as a mentorship relationship or was it always really just like a friendship? No, absolutely it was a mentorship and I think it was probably purposeful. I haven't really talked to, to Dan about that, but I do think it was purposeful. Um, more like a, a, a Paul and Timothy. Um, he saw me looking for opportunities to grow. Um, I think probably helped, uh, helped, get, helped me become a part of the, the school board that I served on for a while um, and just the, a walked, Christian school board not like Christian school public board. school board um, and uh, you know was was there to bounce questions off of he would share some of his struggles um, and things that he was walking through um, and it was for me it was good to know that even people that I really looked up to in the faith uh, still struggled and to know that that's just part of, I mean, as Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have troubles. Just take heart because I've overcome it. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, his kids, the oldest, I babysat, they babysat for me and then I babysat for her. And then the youngest, I guess Abby was probably five or six years older than Samantha. So you guys were kind of able to maybe more yeah. than that, see that as well. Now, how have... You have tended to be with the old people at church. How have you balanced like having community your own age while also knowing the importance, well, because you also work in the nursery, of like the integration of like intergenerational church things? Um, yeah, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, it's, um, I, I, I do think it's important. Um, and I think I saw it more important I saw more importance to this um, when I took on a, a leadership position at the church, just to be able to assure that I was um, I was engaging with people of different generations, so that I was, if there were issues, that I was um, mm -hmm. that I that I could become more aware of the issues, um, and and help to to understand what they were walking through. Um, yeah, because for most of your time on the elder board in Springfield, you you and the pastor, 15 days apart in age, you two were the young guys and everyone else was kind of older, right? Yeah. And then now in Franklin, everyone is pretty much your age or older. Maybe yeah. a couple guys, a couple few years younger. Yeah. But 
and we're trying to bring on on some younger some younger guys as well, which I think is very important for any church um, to have a to have a leadership group that um, spans generations, um, so that the church doesn't become too um, hyper focused on one specific age group or one specific demographic. Yeah, very true. Um, what so when you maybe think about when you looked for a church when you guys were in Chicago or like you had to spend some time in Dallas for work. Um, but then like when you moved to Springfield as well, like what were some of the things that you looked for in a church? Cause when I look for a church, I have, I have like 17 things of baggage that I'm bringing with me from the church that I grew up with, with churches that I've gone to church camp. I have all of this, what my generation calls church hurt or like, Church, I just like have all this experience of church that I bring in. What you didn't really have too much of that, and so what kind of have? What do you go into looking at church? Because I think it's different than what I probably would. Yeah, and that's um, that's that's also I haven't really thought about that too much. Uh, I think you know when we went to when we went to the the church in Springfield to West Side. We knew a number of people, um, mom knew a number of people that mm-hmm. went there, and we knew that it was a strong church. Um, we knew that it had strong children's programming, which I said before, which we knew we, we wanted. Um, we knew it was a Bible-believing church. One of the things that really impressed me was uh, the first Sunday we went to, to the church, we met the preacher afterwards, and... Uh, the next Sunday, I had forgotten his name by then. That's... He knew he knew our names, wow. which was shocking because it was a church of, you know, two thousand people probably at that time, with three different services, and he he remembered remembered my name the next Sunday. Okay, so how do you balance that now with being that while you were an elder, the church grew to probably seven five between five and seven thousand and four services at times and the pastor maybe wouldn't know the names. How do you balance that as someone who came in as a new believer and that was so important to you? I think that that is why, I mean, especially for, you know, there, there's different churches. There, the, the mega churches, I think, or the churches that have more than, um, you know, more than probably a hundred people. It's very, very important to have a small, uh, to have a strong um, small group or life group, um, mm. being very purposeful about making sure that people get engaged in those because that is the way that those larger churches can remain small, if you will, in a sense, mm-hmm. because people are able to engage with people their own age. And I think it's also important for every one of those small groups or life groups to remain connected with, uh, with a leader, whether it's an elder or um, or a staff person, um, somebody that they're able to that is able to remain in touch with that group to make sure that they um, remain strong and don't um, kind of go off um, the on their, go mm-hmm. off on their own, um, which you know can sometimes happen if a leader become if a leader of a small group becomes discouraged and there's no mentorship or guidance or um, or connection with anyone else from the church, it's easy mm-hmm. for them to kind of get off track. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
so because as we talked about before, you didn't grow up particularly religious, and now you have, well, not now. You've always had four or three other brothers, and you all kind of have landed on different spectrums of faith. And then your parents are wherever you want to place them. How would you, how do you balance that when faith is the central aspect of your life and maybe isn't the same for everyone in your family when you get together? And even when you were younger and faith was becoming the central part of your life, but that was very much not. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I certainly made some missteps uh, when I was younger. Um, and I think, again, it, it, it kind of goes along with we're, we're always going to mess up. We're mm-hmm. always going to make mistakes in the words we use, in the tone we use, in the way we present things. Uh, I think that God uses those opportunities. I think what I've, uh, where I've come, where I've come to at this point, and I, I pray that I continue growing in this, but I think I use every opportunity I can to just demonstrate love. Mm-hmm. to my to my family um whether they are christ followers or uh, are are not yet um continue to love them and use opportunities that are given by the holy spirit to use to to share to share my faith or to share aspects of my faith uh and i think i've i think um you know i think that they're all aware of where i am mm-hmm. in my faith but um to use, um, I guess, to, just to use the opportunities to, to maybe make Jesus more real to them. Okay, that's good. Um, I'm going to ask two more questions. One, because you have been an elder at multiple churches and for a long time, how would you define the role of elder? It's very debated in a lot of churches. So how um, do you define that? And is it a role that you expect like were you like oh I hope that at some point I'm in lead like leadership at a church obviously when you became a Christian you were getting I mean you don't work for the church but like did you ever think that that was going to be a thing you did did you feel a calling to that or was it something that you were invited into and God equipped you for as you went yeah it was definitely not anything that I expected um I I knew that I wanted to serve in the church, and uh, I would take opportunities to serve at Westside, whether, um, and they had um, something called a deacon, uh, which a number of churches still have, which is really just kind of um, those those who are servant leaders, if you will, and, which is really what an elder is as well. But, uh, but you know, I would serve communion, I would try to get engaged in the nursery uh, with the choir at that point. Um, just serving the in in ways where I felt God had equipped me to serve, and um, I was had lunch one day with um, with the senior minister and told me that I was being considered, um, you know, as a as an elder candidate, and it was honestly just very humbling, and um, uh, prayed about it a lot, um, prayed about it with with uh, Misty. And um, I knew that I would, and as I, I told this to the other guys, I said, I know I'm going to fall short at times, so forgive me for that in advance. Um, but, you know, they, they all <laughs> assured me that there is no perfect elder just like there's no perfect person. Um, 
There's no perfect preacher. There's no perfect church. All we are called to do is to be shepherds of the flock and to try to, to do our best as we serve the shepherd um, to make sure that the church, that the local church is as Little healthy. Little C church is what I would say. Right, to be as healthy a place as possible. And if, we, if there are areas that need to be addressed, that we address them um, in a loving uh, and Christ-like way. Good. Is it more stressful for you to be reviewed by the elder board or your dad to be reviewed by the Senate Judiciary Committee? <laughs> uh, different for sure. Um, okay, last question. We have a friend who started my friend, became his friend, who is a young Christian and you have mentored him a lot um, as he walks in his faith and obviously you have mentored other people. What is one thing that you would say obviously not just to him because you talk to him all the time, but um, any young people who are trying to figure this all out, who maybe were raised, whether they were raised in the faith or not, but are like trying to make their faith their own, what would you say to them? Um, I think Paul said this at the end of one of his letters. And I think he says... um, be thankful always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. Um, there are going to be rough times. Um, and Jesus told us there were going to be rough times. Mm-hmm. But if we're faithful to him, he's going to be faithful to us. And faithful means praying. It means staying in the scripture. It means surrounding ourselves with uh with other Christ followers, not exclusively because we have to live in the world. We just aren't of the world, but we need to have those Christian influences to help us. That's why I think it's so important for people to be engaged in a church. Um, there is, as I said, there's no perfect church. Every church is going to mess up. But if a, a church is preaching the gospel and is striving to, um, to win more people to Jesus and to lead those people in the church to be more like Jesus, uh, I think those, those that's that's the important place to be. Yeah, I think one thing as someone who grew up a second generation Christian, um, second on your side, but whatever. Um, my sister went to another church in middle school and high school. Um, she didn't quite fit with our youth ministry but she did at another one and I think that a lot of parents probably wouldn't have accepted that but I think because you found your faith on your own that you had more ability to encourage that so I think that's kind of a unique thing of that um so and that is important I mean I, I think it's hard for it's hard it's really hard to let your children um, to to not try to make that decision for your children because of how desperately you want it. I mean, that was the thing that I wanted more than anything is for my children to know Jesus. Um, and it's hard not to just kind of force that on them, but but to be able to see them kind of spread their wings and let, and as God has told me a number of times, you know, as much as you love your children, don't you know that, don't just never forget that I love them even more. Yeah. So to let her go to another church that I knew was a was a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church um, was 
where she could feel um, engaged, I think, was, was, was great. Yep. And now I go to a different church, and it's fine. Like, we just, you know, we're allowed to even have differences and have those conversations, and yeah. So... That's what I've got for you today, friends. Make sure you are following along on social media. And on Friday, we will have our second episode of the Chronicles of Narnia series with chapters three and four of The Magician's Nephew. Um, loving it so far. Obviously, I've like I've said, I've read it before, but I'm enjoying walking through it with a different perspective of just like looking deeper into it. So I hope you guys are enjoying that too. I will have links for everything in... Um, the description. Make sure to go check out Goods and Better. They released their fall line this week. I have posts about it on um, Instagram and Facebook, and we'll also have my link in the description so you guys can go check that out. Super cute sweatshirts, shirts, hat, jewelry, all the things. Stickers, I've told you guys before, love stickers for water bottles, computers, all of the things. So I hope you have a wonderful Wednesday, and I will talk to you later. Love, Leanne.